You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian. Over at Sir Lucian Gaming, how are you, sir? Very good. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing really well. So, uh, my child went to visit grandparents this morning which meant i decided to wake up early and i got a whole video edited and it's going to be uploaded and i'm very excited for that um it's amazing the amount of things i can get done when i'm not chasing a toddler (laughs) yeah so we're up super early too yeah yeah. um and i was like maybe i should start doing that more often but uh we'll see i don't like waking up in the morning but i don't know i love sleep it's a tough one (laughs) i was up at 6 a.m too i think i just woke up and my brain wouldn't go back let me to sleep but i wanted to sleep <laughs> that's there you go uh yeah well welcome everybody are, are you enjoying that that post halloween sugar high or you don't have a lot of sugar maybe because uh you don't have the kids, kids took it all oh there you go yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they they grabbed it all that was like craziness i did that um haunted house at a friend's oh fun and it seemed like all the kids had decided that you know covid year wasn't great so we're gonna trigger treat a ton this year and uh the weather was good so no snow no rain or anything like that so they were out droves cool yeah i forget about those uh i have a lot of relatives in north dakota where all of your halloween costumes revolve around snowsuits so that you can you can actually go out and trick-or-treat most years yeah uh two years ago when i did it it snowed while i was standing there for sure (laughs) this was the first uh halloween in i want to say four years that I haven't done maybe five years that I haven't done like a Halloween themed game. Oh, um, and true. I was kind of sad about that. Cause I usually run uh, kids on bikes or some kind of D and D game or DCC or something, but I didn't do any of that. I did try to get curse of Strahd. Uh, Sly flourish ha- Mike Shea has a guide on how to do curse of Strahd in one night. And that's his mm-hmm. Halloween tradition is he runs it every year. And I was, or Ravenloft in general, but like he's updated it for 5e. And I was all prepped to do that. And then uh, it just fell apart. We couldn't do it because of, you know, schedules and time. And everyone wanted to go to Halloween parties and stuff too. And I was like, okay, I get it. So yeah. they're like, we'll reschedule for like November. But now November's super filling up. And I was like, I don't yeah. think it's going to happen until December or January. And then it's like Christmas is right around the corner. So, um, I was kind of sad because I was like, that's been such a, a fun thing, but I'll try to do a Christmas DCC one shot. Cause that's been uh, another yeah. tradition that I enjoy. So <laughs> I wonder too, if it, you know, sometimes I think a, a Monday holiday like that, like a Monday Halloween is, is always going to be different than if it's like a Friday or a Thursday or a Saturday yeah. Halloween where it falls kind of thing. Monday felt like a weird, yeah. Kind of holiday to have, you know, that night. Um, we were talking to Danimal, our Australian dungeon master, and he was talking about, it's not big in Australia, but there is apparently a group of people that want it to be big. They want it to be a cool Halloween thing, just like we do. But he was telling us that it's like, if you don't have the people that grew up with it to Mm -hmm. then have the impetus to continue the tradition for the kids that are coming before them, it's hard to talk those people into doing it and saying, well, why would I do this? You know? And so apparently what they did is they dressed up in costumes. They joined a Facebook group of some sort. And there was like a map 
so you would drive your of kids the houses to that the are people that love that were participating <laughs> yeah thought, that's funny wow what a strange way to do that i hope uh it catches on like wildfire because i think halloween's great for kids and parents and or even people not parents. I love it, and I don't have any kids, and uh, yeah. I think it's a great holiday. I, we just, just like to, dressing up. Like it's an yeah, excuse to fun. own costumes. So <laughs> yeah, be out at night, be and out then yeah, late in the dark, and see all. But the But that makes a good point. And, uh, and actually, circling that back to D and D, I think the new uh, CEO of the Dungeons and Dragons, or not CEO, but the head of the D and D department, she was saying that in surveys, uh, they were surprised to find out that most of the people are playing with their kids and it's oh. it's the people our age that had D D when they were younger and now that they're older they're like oh i want to like carry this on and play it with my kids uh mm -hmm. and i also would love to do that and uh ted ted and i were talking because he introduced uh hero not hero forge hero quest uh, which is the D&D oh, &D esque yeah. board game that came out That's in the eighties? Like Gateway drug, to yeah. D &D. <laughs> He's been playing that with his kids because it's easier to understand, and you know they're yeah. they're five, and so it's like, oh, okay, they pick it up. And I was thinking the same thing about the the Legend of Dritz, you know, board game mm -hmm. that I bought, kind of for the minis, but then at the end, it's like, oh, it's actually kind of fun. We can explore and go through this D and D esque kind of thing. So there's a yeah. big thing on that tradition wise, you know, like. Yeah. You grew up. Yeah, with I tried it. to. I tried like, to do oh. my nephew. Tried to drag him into it because I was like, you know, I wanted to, but they, the he cool wasn't uncle. into it. I don't think my niece was. So there was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> maybe there you go. one. You know, we'll not see. not for <laughs> everyone. Kid. Sometimes kids are just kids. <laughs> I would love to be able to teach it to people, but it's also creepy if you're trying to go around as an adult saying, "Hey, do you have kids that want to learn?" Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No. You know, and you don't know. So you got to like, start I volunteering at after chance. school programs. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. It's a you're little... the weird guy. No, gotta, I just, gotta I just remember a weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just. Our, our current existence of everyone questions yeah. everybody else, which is yeah, yeah. Well, good I was and 10, bad, I and I loved it. Somebody introduced it to me. I want to be able to introduce it to somebody else and not in a weird, crazy way. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what else post-Halloween is happening with you? So then uh, that, you know, that was it. November is that um, kind of wind down at my work area where we're getting a bunch of stuff done because once the holidays kick off the school districts and stuff they start winding down or going on breaks or there's not as many people there and stuff so that kind of impacts my job so we're kind of getting to that piece and it feels like this is the time where either campaigns kick off if you haven't been playing over the summer because you were super busy yeah or you're looking at computer games or stuff because now you're going to have those nights where you're really not doing as much as you maybe you were doing in the summertime um so yeah, I'm kind of like just looking at what gaming I can, and you know what I'm still buying Kickstarters left and right, and I did, I did have a couple of things for later in the show to show off that I got after our show last week, which I thought was interesting. But oh, fun, yeah, that was it. I mean, it's like, um, it's it's also that season of new shows are starting. The fall show schedules are kind of coming around, and there's new stuff getting added in, but. Um, our, we changed our night for D&D, &D, so that kind of changed our schedule a little bit. So it was like Halloween on Monday, and then D&D &D wasn't until Thursday this time, when it's normally on Tuesday. So I'm like, my whole schedule is kind of a little yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. What about your your role-playing schedule? Um, it's It's been fairly consistent. Um, so the Black Company game that DM Nathan runs that has been every two weeks 
Um, and we skipped the 29th because of Halloween, I think. I think something came up. We were kind of scheduled to play, and then it was like, ah, it's like Sunday. We're not, you know, ha or the 30th, because Halloween was on Monday. Um, right. So that got canceled, so I didn't get to play. But uh, on the off weeks, I started getting my DCC game going. And so uh, we're going to DCC tomorrow, which I'm really excited for. Um, more Hot Springs Island. And I kind of, it's funny, like, I always get really excited, and then adventures take longer than I want sometimes. And I'm like, no, I want you guys to be done with this, because I want to start playing uh, yeah. um, Peril of the Purple Planet. Like, I want to shift them over to the Purple Planet, and I'm like, oh, but that's going to take a while. So, I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll see if, what happens there. Um, regardless, though, they're having a lot of fun, and it's all kind of, uh, it's all new players except, like, two. And I shouldn't say new players to DCC because they're all new to DCC, but specifically to like role playing games in general. And so right. a lot of them are just kind of it's fun to see how they think. And um, <laughs> specifically, I have a wizard who's just like, uh, well, can I like can I like charm the tree? And I'm like, well, no, that that's charm person. It has the word person in it for a specific reason. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. Uh, and so it's just kind of been it's just fun to see. Uh, the the like min maxers of my D and D group, and then my DCC group, who's just like, I don't know, I want to do this, and I have to be creative and be like, can you do that? I, why not? You know. <laughs> so it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then we're doing our uh Mo great Modron march, which I want to talk about that a little bit later too, because a lot of crazy stuff happened in that game on yeah. Thursday. So I like something you mentioned too that I've had this problem in my campaigns is that. I do a lot of prep, but I get super excited in the beginning is always fun and engaging and great. And then I get them to the middle part, but then they take too long, like you said, to get through that part because I thought it was going to go quicker or I didn't think it was as big a deal, but now it's right. taking way a lot more sessions. I'm like, no, no, we just want to get past this because this other thing I've set up is going to be super cool. But yeah, now yeah, it's like, so I'm like really bad at the middle to or ending of the thread or storyline I was doing, but I'm really good at the start of it. So it makes for this awkward kind of like spot in every campaign I still run, which is a problem just I have not overcome either. It's just, I get really cool ideas and fun ideas and they're all great in the beginning. And they you get three or four really good sessions out of them, but I'm finding like they're, they're not ideas that are for good for 50 sessions or 20 sessions. You know, they're great for two or three sessions. And if yeah. they go past that, it doesn't feel as good as not as epic. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then uh, I've, I've been writing. I actually took a physical notebook and put it by my bed because I found that while I was trying to fall asleep or while I was slowly waking up, I would start thinking about game mechanics. And then I'd be yes. like, oh, you know, it'd be a cool thing. And I'm like, yeah, I should write that down. And then I wouldn't. And I'd be like, what was I thinking about? And so I started yeah. like writing down ideas. And so that note's been fun. And if you're on our uh, Discord um, in, I think, the the Endegar or the Modular D6 room, I've been posting certain things about D6 systems because I still find them fascinating, even though they don't <laughs> work as, as how I want them to. But in a way, I'm like, I will make it work. It might yeah. never happen. But it's I saw fun. some chart you had posted or yeah. a picture of D6s. So, just kind of working on that. stuff and playing with things and graphics and stuff i'm really good at graphics because i'll get an idea and i'm like oh and then I, I i think it's the the building the thumbnail in me of the youtube stuff because mm -hmm. i'll get an idea and then i'll like even for videos 
and I'll I'll make like oh it's gonna be called this and it's gonna have this and I'm a kind of a visual person and then that's done but I haven't done any writing for a script I haven't designed any mm-hmm. game mechanics and so you're like well you know when the rest of that gets finished this is going to be really cool on the cover <laughs> it's like... you know, what's interesting too is that all the games you play or run are not d6 games so no yeah you're thinking of all these d6 mechanics but you're not playing any or experiencing any in live play anywhere nope <laughs> so I why is the d6 yeah. your big focus do you think i don't know i think it was it's just because it's different like yeah uh I, I actually was what part of my notes I was writing the other day was like, should I abandon this D six idea and do D ten <laughs> instead? But I think it's the idea that I, I want to be able to play a game and tell a story and have like the system I want, but not have it be a complete mirror of Dungeons and Dragons, um, or just like the OSR in general. Which is very yeah, like so it has to be non D twenty, and so in my mind, you know, it doesn't have to be, but in my mind, my mind gra- yeah. gravitated there to say like, oh, well, you should use a D six system, and so then I started looking at all these D six systems, and Which that's kind of where it came cool. from. Is like, oh my gosh, yeah. there's actually a lot, like there's yeah. a lot of people that have tried to make this work. So well, and there's a ton of indie designers that jumped on the two D six plus stat, which is yeah. kind of the. I think they did the math and they figured out, you know, where the ranges were and it wasn't as swingy. So you could, yep. you could plan for it better. And it had all these advantages that, you know, mathematically it was just better. Yeah. But it's interesting that, uh, and they're fun to read and there's lots of different D six ones out there. Um, what about the 2d 20? Like if you play Numenera, you're playing, um, you know, Star Trek adventures is a 2d 20, the Modifius games they're yeah. that 2d 20 i've never style. played a 2 does that feel like D to you because it's a 20-sided dice or does it not feel like D D to you no i th- i think it doesn't because you're not utilizing um yeah. be- because uh i think it's low right like the the crit yeah. is yeah, a you one um and you're rolling two of them uh, more. but i also have never played a system like that like i've read through like I've actually oh. played some of the D6 systems. I just don't regularly play them. We should play um, a little but... scenario, a little... I've got that um, yeah. Star Trek Adventure scenario that's super fun, Just and it's meant to learn the rules. Yeah, so they built I would the love thing to. to learn the rules. Awesome. We should go through that and then ask you like what you think of the dice mechanics and stuff as we yeah. go through it. That'd be fun. I did it with that other group, and I did... At the end, that's kind of what I did. I did like a, okay, now what'd you guys think of that system? And they all loved it. It was like, you know, PB and... Uh, Graybeard and you know mm. all the all the regular crew that we play with quite often and they they had loved it um I just I wanted to run more Star Trek this is like total tangent I wanted to run more <laughs> Star Trek but I felt like I need to know I need to be more of a Star Trek geek to keep running it because I kept feeling like I don't think I know enough I I love it but I don't know if I know it enough to run it all the time yeah. you know be the super geek on it i think that's the problem with the forgotten realms honestly a lot of people are like like it would yeah. be easier if the realms had a tv show that people could like reference and be like oh i understand how this is supposed to be um but uh i don't know i i concur and i think if i was running a star trek game i love star trek i know a lot about star trek but i would also probably be like you're in some weird like you know franklin quadrant and we're gonna have 
whatever <laughs> adventures I want to create there kind of a thing. So. Yeah, like not in the normal. This is yeah. the, what did they have? The alpha, beta, and the, like the delta quadrant one of the shows went to. Yeah. So we're in echo quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> what if there's only quad means form? No, no, no. This is echo. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I don't know. Or, or I like, like jump Lord the timeline or something. But like, uh, we tried to learn. We've Lord talked about Rings, Lord of the Rings too. Yeah, we're, and also it's weird because we talked about this before. But like Lord of the Rings is very that feels like a finished story to me, whereas Star yeah. Trek doesn't. And I would be yeah. more inclined to run a Star Trek game because That's it true. just feels like, well, that story keeps going, you know. But like Lord of the Rings, I'm like, but everything's everything's done. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm super interested in running you through that starter scenario. You're a the way it starts is you are you've just completed um and now i've just my brain just went frozen but star trek Cadet, academy you're uh yeah yeah you're just at the academy you've just been assigned to your first posting which is at a star base and you're in a shuttlecraft that is heading there and you have like you and a couple of the other um graduates there's a name for the graduates that i'd have to, it's in the it's in the thing i'd Cadet? have to see that i'd have to bone up on it again yeah <laughs> And be like, oh, but it's really, and that's where it starts. And it's a really cool, typical, feels like an episode you'd watch on any of the Star Trek shows. And you're like, mm -hmm. God, this feels really cool and things. But it does have some cool mechanic stuff going on in it, too. So I wonder if, if you'd Ensign. like that, too. I think, yeah, BK Dan. Yeah, I think they were Ensigns, I think. Or your, is there another name? Like, what was Crusher or Wesley? Like, cadet. Wesley was, he, was he just a cadet, but he hadn't made it to another level yet? I think yet? he became a Henson. Eventually. I don't that know. Could be. That could anyway, Star Trek, Star Trek our show <laughs> about Dungeons and Dragons, Star Trek. Uh, no. But yeah, no, I, I think I just really love dice mechanics because there's so many out there. And it's interesting how one can give you a completely different feeling from another. Um, and I think a, a, a quick way of pointing that out is like a D20 is very much a success or fail. But the Powered by the Apocalypse 2D6, you have all of these different levels of success, which is kind of interesting. We, at Gen Con, we played a D6 system, right? We tried. We tried to play Easy D6, and we didn't do it. Or are you thinking of no, Mazes? No, no, no. That was the one you were going to play, but then we sat at a table and played... Mazes. Was, yeah, was that a D6 system? I'm trying to remember uh, what No, we were that utilized no, D4 that's right. to D10, or D12. But Depending on what, our characters yeah. were D6 characters, so we only used right. the D6, yeah. That's what it was. That was a fun system. Okay. It's an interesting system, We should too. pick a D6 system so that you can try it yeah. <laughs> and play it. Well, we could play Open D6 is the free open Mighty one D6, that's got, yeah. like, a whole bunch of supplements. And then um, Easy yeah. D6, like, yeah. Just like we did with the Invisible Sun Knight. Yeah. That'd be fun. Oh, I Just a quick game. little scenario. Such a fun game. Uh, what's going on in the world of Dragonlance? That's coming out soon. Well, it's about to release. It's going to release not too long out. Uh, lots December? more videos, so they're definitely supporting it on the video channel. They've got um, Kenrick December back 6th. over there doing those those videos. And they, the, the one that I thought was interesting, it's at least a cool title, Death Knights and Death Dragons sounds really yeah. super cool. Lord Soth, apparently quite a popular character. The cover art looked really good. Um, I didn't yeah. know much about Lord Soth, but apparently he's been in Adventures. There was a video game that kind of yep. ran a storyline with him. Um, and apparently he is like a basically kind of like a fallen paladin kind of storyline. Yeah, he was like the a, original kind of like yeah. fallen paladin, I guess. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, falls out of line uh, with Dark what he was Knight supposed to be or doing. Black Knight. He was the original Batman, if you remember that. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he, um, well, he, I don't know much about he him. He can stop the apocalypse, but he doesn't. So that's why mm-hmm. he's been cursed to live forever. If you know anything about the apocalypse, which I don't know a ton about, but and <laughs> but apparently yeah, the story, not to spoil too much or or too much about it, is that with the dragon queen coming back, she's looking for those who might have a grudge against the old gods or Salomnia. I think is how that's pronounced, mm-hmm. and uh, Lord Soth could be one of those people so i'm like oh, okay i could see where this could go you know like a a revenge kind of person you know like ah, oh, they they took my powers away and made me into this now i'm ready to get them you know burn the world because of it yeah. so that's kind of what it sounds like and then the other one the video i saw kind of tying into what we talked about last week because you brought up the lunar sorcery stuff but the mages of high sorcery and that the idea they talked a little bit about the idea that this world's magic is weird to make work because you could have characters that are starting at first level as a wizard and the magic in this world is kind of alignment based or at least the societies are very alignment based so the white like you're saying white load robe mages and we yeah, are the yeah. good the white robes, and the, the red are the neutral and the, and the black yeah. robes are the they said evil in that one so you, i know you were using chaos and order in that but they actually said good neutral and evil because it also did align with the alignment stuff and that was the thing that's kind of gone away that's i mean we've kind of always known it but it is the interesting piece that we lost i think in dnd 5e is alignment that's the thing that just it was there but nobody uses it for like it was i thought it was used quite a bit more during first second and third editions i don't know about fourth go mostly gone in fifth really I don't think yeah, anybody I don't, uses alignments for stuff. I think, I mean, good and evil, they use it for monsters, right? So you always very much know, oh, that's a chaotic monster. Or that's this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but as far as players, uh, yeah, because yeah. alignment used to be tied to, you know, if you were lawful, you were you could be a paladin if you were lawful. You couldn't yeah. be a paladin if you weren't lawful. Um, yeah. But honestly, I... I players don't like that and i look at it and i'm like i don't really like that either because if i want to be a dark paladin like why can't i do that or i want to do this you know what's stopping me uh and and who knows Your i don't i don't is stopping you. well alignment <laughs> is stopping you and i don't know if alignment is stopping uh dragon because that doesn't seem like a 5e thing to do as well where if i want to be part of the white robes i'm probably just getting magic spells that the black robes don't get but i could still be you know, a chaotic, evil, white robe person. They're not going to make that restriction. Uh, and then oh, yeah, there were a lot of items know. that were tied to alignment. Like, you could only yeah. hold this if you were, you know, chaotic or neutral or something. Mm-hmm. So It was, I remember in during character creation of those uh, being a big deal. Like, it mattered in ways that were going to guide how you played your character. And I think that's just a piece they pulled out to say, you know, motivation or morality is not part of that anymore it's just not in the game anymore you can you do your characters whatever they are based on whatever you're going to role play but it's not part of the mechanical part you know so it is interesting that it's gone um but this is a uh a world or a campaign setting that had a big piece of it so it's like it's weird to bring that it's almost like saying i don't even know what the analogy was but if you're doing like ravenloft and you didn't have vampires like that seems to be a big core part of that world and if you just say well you know vampires aren't we're just doing all the other stuff but not the vampire part yeah (laughs) 
That seems uh, yeah, right. I don't know. So, um, I could be wrong. Mr. Midwill did point out that Lord Soth is also in Ravenloft. He was popular enough that he crossed over and he ends up like, getting sent or something. Uh, that, yeah, I know that there's a Ravenloft book. It's like the the something of the Black Rose is one of the yeah. novels, and he's the main. And there's lots of novels on this guy. Yeah, apparently. So, so authors liked writing about Lord Soth, is what it sounded like. <laughs> well, he was a he was a popular character. So yeah. Um, and then Steve, uh, he just thank you for the ten dollar donation, Steve. Um, he says we really need to do these one-shot ideas that we keep talking about, and I know, uh, and include uh, members and patrons. So, <laughs> I actually would do that, and I, we have done that uh, in our. I have done some of this yeah. with my seeking Revenor. I have gotten people from this show's audience, and they got to play mm-hmm. in seeking Revenor. Yes, it was a couple years back now, <laughs> and I haven't done it since. But I have planned to revive the idea of asking you audience if you guys want to play a game especially when i can't get my friends to play some of the games that i like to play but i know there might be some of you out in the audience that would want to play my thing is my caveat always is i'm a stickler for a pretty good microphone but camera i don't care about but i gotta have a good microphone like a bad microphone in a in a virtual game i don't know grates on me for some reason no uh i definitely played with some people who use their uh laptop mic their laptop and it's it's uh it's difficult i can't do it (laughs) i can't do it especially for like i i mean for a quick call that's fine but when you're doing like a consistent two to three hour game it's like "Hmm, call Mm -hmm. me on your phone how about that (laughs) yeah um but but yeah lord soft mages of high sorcery this again comes out on december 6th and if you pre-order it only through wizards.com, dnd.wizards.com, you can spend an extra $10 because normally it's 50 And I was talking about this with some other people where they're like, yeah, you always say like, well, the MSRP is 50 for these books, but then you get them for like $32 on Amazon or, or something else. I was like, I know. Um, so it feels a little weird because uh, they're asking $60 I know. to I get go to the, the physical store book. And buy it. <laughs> yeah, well, and they're asking here sixty dollars for yeah. the physical book and ten dollars, or and that that extra ten dollars is for the D and D Beyond. Um, but what's interesting about this is if you pre-order it on D and D Beyond, you don't get early access. But if you buy this physical book with the D and D Beyond, you get two week early access. So November twenty second, we're gonna start having people showcasing the new adventure and the new book via D and D Beyond. And I, I wonder what that's going to do for sales. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was thinking if they had done this for Spelljammer and I was able to see people two weeks early talk about Spelljammer, uh, which I guess they kind of do by sending out the physical books a little early. Uh, but this, I feel, is it's not sending to specific reviewers. You're getting anybody who wants to pre-order this and make a video on it is going to be able to do so. And I'm going to have a very clear idea of whether this is going to be awesome or not, because uh, <laughs> Spelljammer did not live up to my expectations, and I was quite sad. So I, I'm curious about this, what it'll do for sales, if it's going to be like, oh, wow, and then will this increase D&D Beyond sales, or will this increase uh, physical book sales? So what are your yeah, thoughts? Well, and it's hard to judge, because it's Dragonlance. So how yeah. big is the Dragonlance And how big is the Dragonlance You're right. For somebody to even pick that up. Because right now, 
it sounds interesting to me. The cover art looks pretty good to me, but I don't feel like it's one that's on my list of I need to run out and grab because I just don't think I'll play that setting. I think I'd play in it, but I don't think I would ever run it. So I'm, I don't know if it'll be one I pick up. Yeah. I think I'd have to read some Dragonlance novels to really... But I did buy Radiant Citadel, and I loved reading through it, and it was good. No, Radiant Citadel was a lot of fun. I I should run and some of those jammer. as well, because they're so good. Spell they're super jammer. fun. So, no, it's hit or miss. And I, again, I'm thinking more and more, uh, as I as I listen to Sly Flourish and stuff on his, uh, I think he has a Sunday morning podcast that he releases on YouTube on Mondays that I always listen to. But he's like, we need to treat wizards like every other third-party developer because some of the third-party stuff is just better than what's coming out, you know? Um, and I think there even was, like, a space dwarven campaign that came to Kickstarter that got a lot of press. And I haven't heard from heard about it since. But then you're just like, well, why don't I go take that, you know, or do something else? So, Yeah. Or fix well, there's it, lots which is of kind of what I'm doing. Stuff. There I've is been... no shortage of 5e kickstarter oh not at all relevant stuff and it can be everything from sci-fi modern you know regular day you know it could be fantasy it could be any movie franchise you can think of. it seems like everybody was doing a 5e i mean monty cook was putting their stuff in 5e pa- uh, paizo's putting their stuff in 5e rules cobalt press is doing all their stuff in 5e i think there's a lord of the rings 5e version you know so you could pretty much do anything you want in 5e you don't have to make you know Spelljammer do it your tabletop rpg just does better if you put the the number five and the letter e at the end (laughs) well i did see sly he's been slowly in a lot several of his tweets putting 6e so i wonder if he's trying to push the the next version five and a half because he's not been putting 5.5 we gotta call it five and a half not (laughs) 5.5 we gotta call it five and one half yeah, we need a survey in the comments of the video, guys. What what are your are you voting for five and a half or are you voting for six E for this next version? Let us know in the comments. Uh and yes, BK Dan, I did see you. Thanks so much for the the super chat. I appreciate it. Oh, your name's uh, Dan. You must be good. BK yeah, Dan. There you go. Uh that this was weird to me, but we have uh dice transformer toys. And this is a movie tie-in for Honor Among Thieves, which is the movie coming out in March. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you see these? I did not. So I'm waiting for you to describe them to me. Okay. So they are, uh, it's a D20 that is a transformer, basically. And they, they transform out of the D20 into, there's a black dragon, there's a owlbear, there's a red dragon, and there's a beholder. Um, and they're hilarious because, uh, for, to me, looking at this, it feels like those early, uh, transformers that were in McDonald's Happy Meals, where it was like the burger would turn into a robot and then back to like a little burger. And I don't know how big they are. Um, I, we were trying, I was trying to figure out like size wise, cause I'm like, I don't know if it's a, if it's an actual die or if it's a little bigger. Or if they're like this big, it's gotta be you know? big, yeah. Um, but I, I just don't know. Uh, one of them said like choking parts for like children under three. So that made me think that they were smaller, like you could choke on them. Uh, but I don't know. Um, but they look pretty articulate and kind of cool. And so the black dragon is the black dragon we see in the trailer of. Oh, and I'll put a link here. I've got a 
uh, Bell of Lost Souls. The dragon one looks pretty cool. Actually. No, they do. Now yeah. that I see it, now that I'm looking at it. Because <laughs> it's really the outsides of the dice is the wings, which yeah. must cover the whole the like, body, body that somehow. comes back in. Yeah. That so, one's cool. I did see the the owl one in somebody else's post somewhere, and I had no idea what it was referencing until now. Yeah. <laughs> I saw so this on Twitter. This is a movie tie-in, probably the beginning of a lot of toys, because Hasbro's a toy company, so I'm sure they're going to be like, oh, we got a movie coming out. Let's make a bunch of toys, uh, which it's like, whatever. That's cool. This just felt weird, because I'm like, I don't I don't know. But So the Black Dragon is the one from the trailer um, that's spewing acid. Uh, the... The white owlbear is most likely the tiefling druid who turns into an owlbear is what everyone is kind of assuming. Uh, okay. And then uh, the red dragon has been uh, called out as Themberchad, which is the overweight large red dragon that is in the Underdark um, that nice. keeps the, the fire smelters. He's also in the trailer. Uh, so they're, they're kind of cool. Like you can pre-order them now. I don't know. I don't know if I'll get them. Um, because it, I, if I'll, I don't know, like I, I like to collect things, but at the same time, this feels <laughs> like I wouldn't put it on my shelf to be like, that's cool. I have that. I'm enjoying it. It feels like I would be like, cool. I bought this. Now let me like put it away under the house somewhere and I'll never look at it. Let me it, roll you know? it. <laughs> that was my other question. If you roll this, is it going to break open like a, like a Bakugan or is it going to actually be yeah. a rollable die? So. Next time I'm in my uh, store, my comic book store, I'm going to look for it. Now that I know what I'm looking for, I'm going to go look for it, see if yeah. it's out. The Beholder looks like it has the least amount of work on it because it's like the face opens yeah, up and there's a Beholder there. And it's like, okay. But the dragons and the owlbear, like, it's pretty yeah. pretty cool interlocking parts. So um, I don't know. Dicelings, they're Crazy. calling them, apparently. They're called Dicelings. And I bet this is going to be a, a huge... If this is popular, they're going to make this for everything. You know? So. More it's than meets the die. interesting idea. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dice formers. Anyway. Uh, Don't start. They're interesting. Don't start. We'll see. Um... Other than that, uh, the D&D movie date has changed. I don't mm. remember what it was previously. I think it was the 10th. Uh, but Paramount, who is also releasing Scream 6 that I didn't know they were making. Um, I didn't know they, there was five. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. My wife's a big Scream fan, so Three? we had to go see five in the theaters. And it was good. I was I actually enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not like a huge horror movie fan, but I think they're doing interesting things with that franchise. So Scream 6 and the D&D Honor Among Thieves have changed spots. So now uh, the D&D movie is going to be March 31st and Scream 6 is going to be like March 10th or 12th. I don't remember. Um, but it'll be the end of the month. Uh, and that's just movie studio stuff. They do a lot of like, let's bounce back and forth with this and, and what have you. So we'll see how that works out. Um, I'm excited though. Like when we went and saw Black Adam, there was a the trailer was in the theater, and some of my friends who know I like D and D but don't actually like D and D with me were just like, "Oh, was that cool? Was it accurate? Are you excited?" I'm like, "I'm very excited. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun." <laughs> so very that's very very cool. Um, but yeah, I still I I guess we probably have to wait until January to get a new trailer. Maybe Christmas. 
maybe the Christmas movies will get like an updated second trailer. Um, it'd be really cool. We'll yeah, see. I keep trying to stay away from trailers because oh, for me, trailers. typically, I love a movie more when I don't watch a trailer. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying just, just in general, I've been trying to stay away from them. So, but March isn't that far off, really. No. I mean, that means it's filmed and it's in the can and they're just waiting to release it at this point. They're not filming. Well, they're doing special effects work, but yeah, they, they stopped filming a while ago. So, so it's, yeah, it's either, it is what it is now. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see. Um, and then uh, a last bit of news, which I thought was fun, and I made a video about this on the, the J3 channel, the Jor- Jordan's Jocular Junction. Um, Old School Essentials released a Necromancer playtest, and they have released lots of other classes and races, and they're usually, like, no big deal. Like, here's here's how to play, like, a Mushroom Folk, and they've done it in zines and stuff like that, but then this you one mean was for really... for 5e? No, no, this is for Old School Essentials. Oh, oh, four old. This is a class or something for old. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, but what I wanted to point out why why it was so cool is because they've released a lot of these. Like, you can be um, a mushroom guy in old school essentials, or you here's like five mm-hmm. different kinds of elves. Um, and it's usually like you're an elf, but you can teleport, or you're an elf, but you can like charm people mm-hmm. or something. Uh, and so it's kind of like okay, you're not changing anything. But the Necromancer specifically came with 72 new spells that are all, like, evil, like, (laughs) creepy, control undead kind of stuff. Um, And they're really cool. So this was not only a way of – you could be a Necromancer. It's like the Necromancer can only use these dark spells. Um, Or you could just add these spells into your regular class. And so once I started reading it, I'm just like, oh, there's a reason they're playtesting it because they want to make sure the spells are better. Um, and it's, uh, but it's just really cool. So like, yeah, I want to play a necromancer now. It's really cool. I absolutely do. I think it's one of those that most games, especially D and D shy away from because it starts out as a great idea right up until you want them to summon the skeleton army. And then yeah. the dungeon master has to try to, you know, figure out the combat of, you know, 50 skeletons that, you know, are fighting these other, you know, and it just drags it out. But the concept and the story and the vision of what's going on is so D&D. It's like, to me, it's like, you know, standing well, make- on top of a, of a big um, mobile home playing an electric guitar and then lightning is <laughs> you know crashing they, they always you. make a better villain you know because when you yeah. when i think of those things it's like my party is standing in front of 80 skeletons and there's yeah. a necromancer in the back that's just like come and get me you know or it's always um, that good storyline let evil fight evil like what's the best way to fight oh, evil true. more evil <laughs> you know it's like they were going out because i've always wanted to play that but that's the problem with the pet class is that you don't want to get it too crazy but i do want to get that crazy but you know I think but you're right. I, yeah, I've never played story, a. I haven't played a five E necromancer, um, and I've played necromancers in video games, but, uh, but this one looked really cool because you have yeah. uh, a lot of spells that allow you to control undead or summon undead or things like that, and then um, in order to make it unique, the necromancer can't use charm and illusion magic. So uh, if you tried, you're not, you know, you can charm and yeah. control an undead, but you, you can't do it with like a living creature. And I thought yeah. that was really cool because in your mind, you're like, well, no, you're right. They're, they're very focused on this, you know? 
Um, mm-hmm. And then it said you could always bend the rules and like anybody could learn any spell kind of a thing. But uh, the fun of it is is that. And they had a, a really cool spell like bone armor where you like uh, every time you get somebody hits you, uh, shards of bone splinter off and attack them back. So they take damage kind of like the um, I think it's frost armor in 5e that the warlock yeah, like gets. Bone spikes, so. bone spike and then, armor. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's completely free. You can go to drive through RPG and pick it up uh or if you're curious go to the j3 channel and i have a video where i talk about it because it was cool enough that i'm like all right i actually want to make a video about this so yeah it's a funny it's cool that they're doing that too because in the lit rpg kind of um community of books that are based on people that play games and then either get sucked into that world or the world has game mechanics attached to it somehow Mm -hmm. necromancer is such a big one that always gets in a lot of these stories like i'm reading a bunch of them and necromancer is the thing that like these people that happen to like, I'm going to pick this class because this happens. And then the thing that always comes up is when you're fighting your enemy, the necromancer might not be too strong in the beginning. But the cool part is, is that as the fight goes longer, (laughs) they're getting more powerful because they're taking what they're killing from you and rising it up to use against you. And that's just that concept of that grind and, you know, using that stuff and and such a cool and fun storyline to think about and, use and do you know sending zombies and skeletons and ghouls after people and you know having vampires or whatever else at your your fingertips it just sounds fun yeah uh (laughs) and i mean i always think of the that that last battle in game of thrones where everybody was fighting and then it's like okay we think we're winning and then the guy turns and he just raises his arms and all of a sudden you know half their army stands up again and it's like yeah that's spooky. That's fun. Yeah, we can't win that. Um, Very cool. Diving into uh, games that I've been playing or running and things like that, I wanted to talk briefly about the great Modron March uh, with <laughs> Ted and LB and, and uh, Rachel and Lex. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a really weird game that I didn't really know how to, to do, but it's kind of like when your players just run into danger, obviously – and they're not trying to be stealthy or anything about it, I kind of feel like yeah. I need to punish them. But mm. it it really did backfire. So uh, Ted's character, Lagwin, is an elf and only needs to trance for four hours. So they took a long rest. He woke up after four hours. I said, this is what you see. The Modrons are being snatched up by these this evil cult. And he's like, well, okay, I'll like wake up my friends. But then uh, Rachel and... <laughs> And, uh, uh, sorry, Shifter and Nyx were just like, no, we want to sleep. We want our full rest. I want my spells back. So they, like, rolled back over. (laughs) And he's like, well, I guess I'll go check it out. So he teleports down Dimension's door and then just walks up. And I'm like, are you trying to be sneaky? He's like, no. I just walk up and say, like, what's going on? And I'm like, "Uh, okay. And this is a hard encounter that I made in D&D Beyond for four players, level 12. Like, that's the math of it. And I want to point out, this has uh, six hobgoblins, two hounds, uh, yeth hounds. They're like fey hound creatures. Um, A hobgoblin warlord and a hobgoblin devastator. The devastator is a magic user, and the warlord is, like, controls all the units. I didn't have all of them attack at the same time because I was kind of like, well, I want to be nice to him. But as he started doing damage, the other ones were like, oh, what's going on? And they're running in to, like, help. Uh, he soloed it. Like, 
the blade singer is broken. I was like, this is oh, God, way yeah. too powerful. And granted, he's got a lot of magic items and stuff, but like he soloed a hard encounter for four level 12 players as one level 12 blade singer. Um, and it got to the point where his AC got so high because of blade song and stuff. I couldn't hit him because of shield. Uh, I was trying to do saving throws. He, he got lucky with the saving throws. He did save every single one. Um, but yeah. And so then I was doing like lightning bolts and stuff to try and, uh, do some damage, even if he succeeded on the saving throw. Uh, mm -hmm. and he demolished everything like it. And I did not pull punches. Like you, you could watch it. And I'm like, I'm rolling right in, in chat. Like you could see everything. And it was like, holy cow. So singer's strong. It's very strong, like super, super strong. Yeah. And <laughs> he was like, well, in my defense, cause we were talking about it later. He's like, I burned through like 90% of my spells. Like, he's like, I, I am spent right now. And it is the beginning of a morning as we walk into the rest of a fight. And I was like, well, you're right. But oh, still, like, and, and he was on cloud nine. Like, he just thought this was the coolest thing in the world. But I was like, yep, it's it blew my mind. I was I was like, I can't. Yeah. This is crazy. That, that Blade Song haste. I don't even think he used haste, actually. I think he just put up Blade Song and did a bunch of, like, really damaging spells. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The shield is what does it. That being able to reaction shield kept them alive. I had one in my um, Storm King's Thunder campaign. And it really skewed. And it made me then, because we had that spell singer, make things much harder. But here's what happened. It's a razor's edge. Because there's a point where he misses one roll. And it goes devastatingly bad super quick when he yeah. misses one saving throw or something, you know. But normally, he that was the same in arc. The AC is so high, and the, the shield is there to keep him alive, and they're doing all kinds of crazy damage, and they're super mobile, and, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. And then, yeah, once it turned, though, it turned so bad that, the, you know, it was, it was done. And it's so, But you can't plan as a dungeon master with something that's so on the edge like you want something that builds up has you know has is tough but you can kind of see that oh they can push through they're going to get there barely but yeah. they'll get there you can kind of map it out and see where those where it's going to happen but when it's like it just you know one good crit or you know one good whatever happens and then oh wait you're you know you're knocked down <laughs> yeah what? and you're just oh, like, no. like, i don't know it was uh oh it was it was really interesting to see and it, you're right, it, it was kind of swingy because, like, if I had had, um, if I had landed, like, another two hits, it would have been a very different outcome. Because he, he did take a lot of hits and stuff. But I was yeah. just, I was amazed because I was thinking about this. I'm like, LB would not have been able to survive this. Like, not every class. Like, yeah. not every class would be able to do something yeah. like this. And, and not every class should. Um, no. but it, re I really look at that and I'm like, well, you know, and they, they don't have a healer. So they got back and he's just like, well, I guess I'll short wind and maybe drink a potion. I was like, okay, have fun. So I don't know. It was, yeah. it was interesting. It's, it's the one class that I remember early on as being overpowered. And I don't even think it's a normal class. You must've had to have let it happen through what was it? Um, it was the, um, Sword Coast Adventures guide that it was in originally. Yeah, it's super obscure. It's now in most Tosh's. dungeon masters. Don't yeah. let them do it. Yeah. yeah, it's now in Tosh's, and they did change it 
yeah. as a buff, I think. Like, there's some of the changes in Tasha's are just like, okay, that's a little more yeah. powerful. But it was restricted to elves only. It was kind of one of yeah. those weird ones. Uh, and now it's just open to anyone. But I said, like, hey, you can be anything from, like, this book, but I want to keep it as a Forgotten Realms adventure. So when they made these characters, he's like, well, can I do that? I'm like, it's in the Sword Coast. You can, you know. But And it definitely is a, a min-maxer's... Um dream class and i love it's it's made for yeah. min maxing <laughs> i love mages with swords i'm not gonna lie like yeah. i like the idea of running in with a sword and doing stuff but but uh but it was it was eye-opening to see because he's always been like pretty powerful but now i'm just like yeah. this is crazy yeah so. well that's why i always think everybody thinks gandalf's a wizard but really he's a spell singer because he has a sword and a staff and he's yeah you know, he's swinging swords and he's Being slinging awesome. spells and he fought a balrog in one so and he whistles you know, that's he's spell like singer. what horses come running yeah. in that's right um, he's a spell singer he's not a wizard <laughs> you know i was i was uh uh this is a tangent but i was reading about lord of the rings and uh specifically like what is the magic of lord of the rings um and how we talk about that scene of he says you shall not pass and that there is an underlying magic that's kind of from uh uh, Judaism and Christianity and stuff where it's like my words become reality and uh -huh. so when Gandalf says uh, you shall not pass he's actually casting a spell where it's like I've changed the fundamental laws of reality in that you are now incapable of passing this area um, but if, it, if he actually tries like the magic kind of folds in on himself and that's why in that movie scene he he like he's like I have to let go. Like it's not that he gets pulled down. It's not like he's struggling. He's like if I don't, then I've undone this spell that actually protects you. And so he falls down to fight. And another really good example is in the extended edition, uh, when he's Saruman or Sauron the White. He's uh, or not Sauron, uh, Gandalf the White. He's looking up at Saruman, and he's like Saruman, your staff is broke on broken. And then Saruman's staff just like shatters in his hands. And that's the same thing. He's like fundamentally. And I was like, how could you incorporate that in a game? You know, like that would be really yeah. interesting. It's not spell slots. It's not stuff like this. But like, maybe maybe that's the DM force like of will. character where you're just like, you know, as your players walk in, your villain says stuff like, the ground under your feet is fragile, and then they fall in or something. Like, okay. I great. I thought that was really cool. I like yeah, it is an interesting magic. <laughs> I just finished it's not uh, Vancean. No, no, it's not Vancean at all. And I just finished yeah. watching The Rings of Power when I was like researching this and stuff. And I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like The Rings of Power. I don't, I don't know what any of the critics were talking about. I love that whole show. It was fun. <laughs> I was enjoying the whole thing. But I've talked so much. Uh, I also have a bunch of Kickstarters coming up, but I'll, I'll, I don't need to talk about those just now. So uh, what did you do? How's Dungeon of the Mad Mage? What's happening? Dungeon of the Mad Mage is on a Thursday night now, so it's pretty good. Um, we had a really cool competing big... with that critical role on Thursdays, huh? That's right. They better watch out. Yeah, <laughs> we're coming for it. <laughs> we're coming. We have an Australian dungeon master. They don't have that. Um, we had a really cool knockdown drag out fight, which was super fun. Um, the one comment I had at the end of it because everybody was really happy with it and it was fun and um, it felt like a very similar big battle fight that we had in Seeking Revenor where the team had found during scouting a black pyramid that had appeared somewhere. And then they wanted to go up to it. They went into it and like in the 
entryway of the pyramid, there's like, you know, like these 20 hobgoblins of different types, archers and spellcasters and this, and they, they try to push their way in the first time at f like fourth level and they don't quite, they've got to retreat. They go all the way back, they get some more levels, they do some more quests and they're like, we're going back to the Black Pyramid, so we do it again. And so they were, it was interesting to run big battles with tokens and maps and, and vision stuff when there's 20 or 30 enemies with lots of different abilities and there's there was five in the party, there's lots of stuff going on. There's lots of things firing off. There's lots of cool yeah. ups and downs in that battle. Um, and that was what this was. So the, the everybody loved it. And I was like, my big comment, the whole takeaway from it is finally I got to play it, not just mm -hmm. run it as the DM. Because from the DM side of it, you're trying to, like you said, you gotta kind of be careful a little bit because you could focus in focus fire like the players yeah. do with your enemies and i think if you tried to kill players you probably could right but as a dungeon master you're typically going okay what's the motivation of my npcs what 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 they normally do what would they do in this situation you're not like how do i kill johnny yeah. If I take Johnny out and their clearance goes down, this party's wiped. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it. But there are people that I think would play that way, and I wonder. Um, Adversarially, Colville. I... Yeah, Matt Colville talked about that. They knew that when they were going into their early games back when he played when he was younger, and that's how their dungeon master was. Their dungeon master killed them. Right. Mm. I wonder if you could play a game now, telling everybody, hey. When we do battles, I'm gonna try to knock you out. If I knock you down to zero, I'm gonna walk over and I'm gonna stick my sword into you to make sure you get two crit fails and you have two death saving throw fails immediately. And if you don't get up in that next round, I'm gonna shove my sword in you again and you're gonna be third death fail and you're out. Like if you tell them, I'm coming at you like full bore cutthroat, just like you go after the player or the, the NPCs, you know, like the players yeah. don't hold back on anything they do. I wonder what it would be like if the dungeon master was the truly the adversarial, not just the judge or I'm here running the game and I'm the referee, kind of the arbiter yeah. of physics. I'm here to try to kill you with the things that I have. <laughs> Dice out in the open. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that would be a key. Dice out in the open. But I wonder how that would go. I mean, what do you think would happen or do you think you could play it or do it? or Like in that moment you were just talking about, if you tried to kill him, could you have killed Ted? Uh, with the monsters I have, I don't know. You know, I, I because of his yeah, AC like, gets so like high. Like four to grapple him yeah. so he can't move and then like, you know, just yeah. start laying in stuff. And... Well, I even had, um, because he kept casting shield, I was trying to have my warlord do shield bash to, to knock him prone. Knock him down, yeah. Um, but he kept getting the saving throws and then I couldn't hit him with shield bash. And it was like, it was like, hmm, this is interesting, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, but you're right. If I wonder, I don't know. Dice, if the so, dice went a different way, I probably could have killed him very easily. But uh, it, it yeah. I will say it was close. You know, it was like one of those things, yeah. but it just surprised me so much. Like yeah, This one had so many characters in ours that he, our dungeon master shot our dwarf, who's kind of our frontline cleric dwarf, who always runs forward every attack went after him and he he knocked him down he put him down but we're talking like he went through a hundred hit points in a turn because every single archer turned and shot at him so it was like 20 rolls of this and you know 10 rolls of this guy and then two rolls of the, the fire giant doing something and you know it was like everything went on to our dwarf he had a hundred and something hit points 
at the start of that round and he was down on the ground at the end of the round <laughs> but our party's strong enough that it's you know one quick heal or one quick thing the rest of us just come in and just start you know doing the thing so it's interesting playing dungeons and dragons at these levels these 12 13th level now um combined levels for us and it's going to be interesting as we go deeper and deeper and things seem to get harder and harder how these battles will happen we're starting to see lots of counter magic we're seeing lots of anti-magic fields now we're starting to see like you know like magic weapons shut off or spells didn't fire off because we went into a room that would had you know had a magic anti-magic field in it or stuff so they're really starting to mess with us on those kinds of things um to take away some of those advantages that you've gotten so but it's it's still fun i think we're we're excited. We're probably maybe finished this year out. And then by the end of this year, maybe looking into next year, we might be onto the next campaign or a new campaign, which is always exciting too. So yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes and I'm still having fun. And I'm a dungeon delver. I know not everybody would love to have done this for so long. They like, all right, we've done the dungeon thing. We can leave now and go do something else. But I, I've been loving it. I love yeah. mapping it out and doing the whole you thing. You know, I was talking about that with somebody else where uh, it, it would depend on the character because uh, specifically this person um, made a really cool like drow paladin um, for Waterdeep Dragon Heist. But then when after that was over and they were like, well, now we're going to do Dungeon of the Mad Mage. He was like, I don't I don't want to play this for that. Like, this is not the right character for that. And so it's like, I want to play and I, you know, it's like I want to be a dwarf explorer that has this. And my whole point is yeah. finding things and. And so then he made a character that he's like, I'll enjoy dungeon delving with this character. And yeah. so uh, same thing with you. Like, I think I think about that and I'm like, you know, I'm not every character I would have fun with that. But certain ones I would love it. Like, because you're just mm -hmm. like, what's around the corner? I don't know. Like, I think that's fun. Yeah. So I love mega dungeons. I, I think it's just because as a kid, that's what we played the most of. And yeah. that's what you got your graph paper out and tried to make all the time. They made no sense my favorite adventure of all times element temple of elemental evil yeah that's you huge know, eight nine levels of just why would this ever exist or how does this even work or how did it even get down there or how does it eat months from now you know like yeah none of that matters we're just down here doing these cool things yeah um so i love a dungeon delve. i i have made a couple of characters that were specific for it but i also i think i have i tried to bring the first character i was going to try to bring to this was a halfling cavalier who is going to ride a Mastiff. And I was thinking, well, this is going to suck trying to deal with ladders or climbing, but there's not actually a lot of that in Dungeon of the Mad Mage so far. But in my mind, I was thinking, oh my God, we're going underground. How's this going to work? But I'm going to do it because I want to play this Halfling Cavalier, which I think would be super cool. <laughs> and then he died really fast. Is that it? I forget. We, we moved on from the Halfling Cleric because, oh no, actually what it was, here's a funny thing. This was a, my party is a bunch of murder hobos but i created the halfling cavalier to be a good guy a true good guy he did not fit in with the murder hobos it just i couldn't in my head make it work that my halfling or halfling cavalier would stay with these people because they constantly just murdered people left and right like they're typical adventurers, right? Mm. And I'm like, I just need to make a character that has no conscience about this because you guys just kill everything. <laughs> and then we'll all have fun. And we have been having fun. Like now I have, you know, Khan, my arcane archer, doesn't is pretty morally gray, just like, you know, is is in the middle. It doesn't really, really matter. But I was trying to play a really pretty good character 
and it wasn't matching with the way <laughs> the thugs. The party. So yeah. it was pretty funny. So I had to get rid of it. I actually talked to the dungeon master about it and we're like, I need to make a new character. I need to yeah. I need to switch. So here that's that's a tip for this weekend, you know. If you're playing a character that you're not having fun with, just talk to your dungeon master and just say, you know, I thought it was gonna be fun, I thought it was gonna work out. It's not fitting quite with what we're doing or how the party's working. So I think I'll play something else that just works with everybody and I'll have fun. They'll have fun. Just like you're saying like that, that you, the guy saying, I don't think this character would be fun to play in that environment. Yeah. But this dwarf I make and yeah, does yeah, this, yeah. then I'll have fun. The party will have fun. The dungeon master will have fun. That's, that's the point of the whole thing. So I love yep. that. I don't want to go before I show off a little <gasps> something that did come out. It came in. So I have right behind me G.I. Joe. They have the Power Rangers. This is by Renegade Studios. The All TTRPG. using the same system, right? All using the yeah. same system. And now I have the Transformers one. And uh, I can't wait to go through it. The artwork is all of my boyhood dreams of all the Transformers I ever wanted. Wish I had. I only had handfuls of them. I never had them all, but I want them all. I want to make my own transformer. I want, you know, I want to dive into this whole world. You know, the it's really cool. And I thought, I can't wait to play this. It is that system, just like the GI Joe one, that has hundreds of GI Joes. Also, Renegade has the rights, so they can bring in hundreds and hundreds of different types of transfer. There's so many different transformers from so many different yeah. shows and comic books and stuff that you may, you know, we all know the the big probably twenty or thirty ish yeah but they have There's like more. The, the beast wars in there i watched a review yeah. on it. it it looks really good beast wars and everything all um, the different versions what's the oh your siren i was asking i was wondering it's the first of the month <laughs> what's this Hopefully goblin slayer goblin slayer the ttrpg look how thick this book That's is huge. i thought that was a manga yeah have you ever seen this uh-uh uh like the the franchise i didn't even know what it was it's no. a anime Hey, the guy who's doing the siren just turned it off nice and slow. Super thick. I don't even know what the system is. It was sitting in the game book store. I'd never heard of it. Not by a... It's all... Um, looks like all Japanese writers, designers and stuff huh. are all on the thing here. So I am super shocked that my game store even put it on the thing because I, you know, wasn't something that I even popped up. And I'm like, this seems kind of cool. And the size of it, it's a nice... Uh, kind of reference book too it's like that mm. perfect material for flipping back and forth a lot no clue what the dice system is yet maybe i'll talk to it about it a little bit next week um, after i get to read it a tiny bit but it looks kind of cool so goblin slayer the ttrpg transformers the ttrpg gi joe the ttprg i wonder if those stuff. power rangers transformers gi joe you could uh mix them together like it, if they're that, the way I'm looking at how the character classes are and the stuff. It looks and granted, like, like a giant truck that transforms into a robot is probably more powerful than your whatever. But the idea that my Power Ranger than a could fight, Joe? yeah, than a GI. <laughs> Come on, hold on. <laughs> um, for those of you asking, I don't know the system completely, but I know it's a it's a D, it's a D and D esque system. It's like a two D twenty system, but you have like D sixes and D eights and stuff. Um, but yeah, it, we talked uh, about it in a previous it's, show. It's made to be simpler than Dungeons and Dragons, uh, specifically because you're like you're just supposed to kind of jump in and start playing. Um, but the art was really good. That's what really captured me with it. Uh, exactly. And this is licensed by Hasbro. It's kind of funny that Hasbro licensed their 
Transformers RPG to a different company, but I don't know. Um, and same with G.I. Joe and, and Power Rangers. So I know yeah, that I, Ted is that. a big Power Rangers fan, and he's been talking to a couple of people to the Essence 20 system. Yeah, that's what they call it. He's been talking mm -hmm. to a couple people about getting a, a Power Rangers game going. So um, I am not included on that because I'm like, I'm too busy. But And I I'm not a big book. Power Rangers fan, but if we were to play Transformers, I would be all over it. So <laughs> Yeah, like, just look at some of the artwork. And the, yeah. I mean, it's so good. It's all really good. Bumblebee's in there. Got to have Bumblebee. Sideswipe, Megatron, awesome. Starscream. Well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for uh, the donations and the members. I uh, super appreciate that, um, Steve and BK Dan. Uh, we will be Man. back next week uh, with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D &D Show. Until then, take care, everybody. <laughs> Bye.